Good morning, Cornerstone. My name is Matthew. I'll be doing the reading, scripture reading for today, um, which comes from 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 17, all the way to 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 13. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face, because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker, in the gospel of Christ to establish and exhort you in your faith, that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction, just as it has come to pass and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith, for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. But now that Timothy has come to us from you and has brought us the good news of your faith and love and reported that you always remember us kindly and long to see us as we long to see you, for this reason, brothers, in all our distress and affliction, we have been comforted about you through your faith. For now we live, if you are standing fast in the Lord. For what thanksgiving we return to God for you, for all the joy that we feel for your sake before our God, as we pray most earnestly, night and day, that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now may our God and Father himself and our Lord Jesus direct our way to you, and may the Lord make you increase and abound in love for one another and for all, as we do for you, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus with all his saints. The reading of his word. All right, good morning, everyone. Welcome to our worship gathering here today. Uh, I'm Paul. I'm one of the pastors of the church. And so if uh, you're visiting or if you've been coming for a few weeks and are kind of new, we especially want to welcome you to our church gathering and to our worship today as we give praise to God and glory to Him on the Lord's Day. We call this the Lord's Day because we dedicate this time as our Sabbath day to dedicate it to rest upon Him, upon our God and to receive his glory and grace and receive the good news as we do each and every week. So we're currently going through a series uh, through First and Second Thessalonians, and uh, we just read the end of chapter 2 and the beginning of chapter, or all of chapter 3, rather. And so uh, to give a little background, as you know, want to keep you up to date what's going on, the Apostle Paul in chapter 2 explains his ministry to the Thessalonians. He explains how uh, he, Paul, and his co-workers ministered in gentleness and how the Thessalonians were able to receive this good news and become believers in Jesus. And so Paul is very thankful that in spite of the affliction that has been coming upon them in their current situation, they are able to know who Jesus is and and he mentions a little bit of what that affliction is when he says that they have suffered persecution 
uh, for Jesus from the Jews. And this is very sad to Paul in particular because he was a Jew once, uh, or probably identified as a Jew, and the Jews were the ones who were stirring up other Thessalonian Gentiles who were believers to oppose them. And so the Apostle Paul was a Jew, and he loved his fellow Jews and hoped that they would know Christ as well. So again, it was very sad and disappointing for Paul to see the Jews who have caused this chaos in Thess- Thessalonica. And so Paul is exhorting the Thessalonians to continue on, to continue on, and he's thankful for the fruit that they have born from them, even as a very young church at the time. They were just establishing as a church. And so for our passage today, Paul is now is explaining why he's not with them, why he's away from them. And he shares how he wishes he can see them, but for reasons, and he says Satan has hindered them as well. Uh, he is unable to visit them, and because of that, he has sent Timothy to report back to Paul. And so before we keep going on with what the passage says, let me pray for us and ask God to speak to us here today. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for this letter that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians. And Lord, we pray that we as a church can receive this word, receive this good news that you have proclaimed through the Apostle Paul, and that we can see how it applies to us in our context and how it should work in us and transform us as the church here in Somerset. And so God, I pray for every single one here uh, who is in person and those watching online as well. Lord, may you be with them. May you help them and bless them. And may your spirit be upon them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So when uh, COVID-19, when the pandemic first began, we, as you all know, we were all forced to isolate in our homes. And uh, many of those who did not have family and friends uh, to live with or they didn't live with them, uh, they had to truly be alone. And, you know, thankfully, we do live in a time where uh, we have the Internet, and so we could connect through the Internet and through video calling, which is an amazing gift from God. And imagine 50 years ago, the idea of video calling or even sending pictures, that would have been unheard of. And so we get to have that now in our day and age, and, you know, we are able to meet virtually for a time. But after a few months... You know, we got tired of it. Most of us craved for in-person interaction. For our family, uh, Ina's parents, they, they live close by, or relatively, they live a few hours away in Maryland. You know, they wanted to see us, especially not really us, more my, my grandson, my, their grandson, my son, uh, who was um, probably one, two at the time, and they would drive three and a half hours just to meet us by the window and just to talk to us through the back door for you know, maybe 15, 20 minutes, and they did this many times just so that they can, you know, get a glimpse of us in person uh, during the pandemic, the height of the pandemic. And I think all of us could relate to that in some degree. We, you know, after a while, we were craving this face-to-face interaction. We were craving um, this, this personal connection that we were missing, uh, just being virtual and all these things. And, and even the most introverted of us, the ones you know, where we, you know, may not like being around people all that much. Even those of us who are, tend to be more introverted, which, which I am, we felt this loneliness as well. 
Right? We may not love inter- human interaction, but we know that we need it and we still missed it to some degree. And it's because that's how God created us. We, we need this community. We need to be around others, especially as Christians, to be around other brothers and sisters in Christ. So Paul is sharing this sentiment here in our passage. He longs to see the Thessalonians face to face. Verse 17 of chapter 2, it says, But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored the more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. We see this desire for Paul to see the Thessalonians, to meet with them, to, to do more than just send this letter that he's sending, right? He goes on further in chapter 3, verse 10, as we pray most earnestly night and day that we may see you face to face and supply what is lacking in your faith. You can see the the heart of Paul here. He shared how he wishes to be with them, to care for them, to love them, to, to pray with them. He says this because he knows that our Christian faith is more than just an individual faith. Of course, individual faith and trust in Jesus is required and necessary. We all need to believe in Jesus in our hearts personally and individually. But but we also need to do it together. We need to do it uh, together as a church. We need to, you know, do it as a body of Christ. When we believe in Christ at first, that's just the beginning of our faith journey. When we come to faith, we become a part of something bigger than ourselves, when we believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, that he died and rose from the grave, when we believe that, it's just the beginning of our journey. Then we join something even greater and better. We, we join something bigger than ourselves. When we become Christians, we become a part of the church. We become a part of the church. And some may argue against this and disagree with me, but I truly believe that every Christian is called to be a part of a church a local church. All believers around the world are, of course, part of the universal church. That's what we call it, or the global church. But we cannot meet every Christian around the world, right? We can't have one big church service every Sunday, this global worship service, right? So we're called to gather with the people around us to be a part of a local body of believers. And the main reason I say this is because this has been the pattern of Christians since the days of the apostles, since the very beginning. In Scripture, we do not see a single example of a Christian living as a Christian apart from other Christians. No, Christians are meant to live with other Christians and be in fellowship with other Christians. We see example after example of people gathering together to worship together and sitting under the leadership of of leaders, and the Bible calls them elders and deacons. And we see verses like Hebrews 10, 25 that say we should not neglect meeting one another. That obviously meant face-to-face. And like in Hebrews 3, 13, that we should exhort one another every day. So we're called to regularly support and encourage one another in Christian fellowship. And the Apostle Paul says this about the individual Christians being a part of the church. He says this in Ephesians 2. He says, So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, 
built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. Paul explains how when we become Christians, we have this connection. We are adopted family members. We are fellow citizens of heaven. We are the children of God that are now saved. And because of that, we form this, Paul is talking about a metaphorical structure, this metaphorical temple, right, that grows into a holy temple in the Lord. So what does that sound like? That sounds like the church. That is the church. Remember, the church is not really a physical temple or building. We oftentimes say that we're going to church and, and we're going to some building, but the more accurate understanding of the church is that is the people gathering together, coming together to worship God as fellow brothers and sisters, as fellow adopted children of God, as fellow citizens of heaven. Additionally, Paul goes on missionary journeys in, in the book of Acts not to just share the gospel and convert sinners and then just you know, do like a hit-and-run style kind of thing. Paul's not just leading revival meetings and crusades and then saying, bye, see you guys later. No, he's establishing churches. He is establishing leaders and elders. And it's because you're supposed to live in community with other believers. You don't gather and believe and you're like, all right, go off on your own and just figure out the Christian life on your own. No, we are to gather together as the church to consistently support one another. And this is not just hanging out with Christian friends, but in a community, there is authority, there is leadership that is necessary. We need a form of church government. We need elders and pastors and deacons where, where those of us submit under that leadership and authority. And we need structure to function well and properly as the church. The saying goes, when everyone's in charge, no one is in charge. So that's why in whatever meeting you may have or group project you do or any workplace or school, we need order, we need authority, we need leaders, or it would simply just be chaos. And the same goes for us as Christians. That's why we need structure, we need leaders, we need a government, a church government. We need to be guided and God has established the church for that purpose. So again, we see the importance of gathering together as the church, and especially gathering together face-to-face. -face. Like I shared earlier, Zoom fellowship and online worship is not the same as in-person fellowship and worship. Many of you have shared how difficult it was during the height of the pandemic, how lonely it is, how isolating you feel, how much you long to just talk to someone or hang out with someone, just spend time with someone, laugh and share together. And so meeting face-to-face -face is ideal. That's why marriages and relationships can't last a long time unless couples live together. If a couple doesn't live together who say they're married, are they truly married? That's why long-distance relationships don't usually work out and they're so difficult to do. And I, you know, I, of course, want to acknowledge that there are those people who, who, even in our own church, that cannot join us in person. There are those who are elderly, who are sick, who, because of some other circumstance, unable to physically join us. So we're thankful that we can have some type of 
virtual option like we are having now, and we can have those individuals join us in some way, and we do not want to discount that at all. But I know that even those who are homebound, they appreciate it that much more when you can meet in person. My, my grandmother, at the end of her life, lived a couple years in a nursing home, and I couldn't visit all that often. I was actually the only one in America at the time. My parents had moved away. And so I was the primary caretaker for my grandmother, and this was while I was going to seminary, and I lived over an hour away from her. And so it was hard for me to visit at time. I was going to seminary full-time and, and working at a church part-time as well. But whenever I did visit, I could tell how happy she was to see a, a familiar face, to see family. Now, she would sometimes mistake me for my dad or some other family member sometimes, but you could sense the joy she had in seeing family, in seeing someone she knew, she recognized. And that is what we do when we gather together. We gather together with our fellow adopted sons and daughters of God when we gather as the church, and it should bring us joy when we do so. And so we are called not to neglect meeting with one another. So now, for the most part, I shared why it's important to be a part of the church and how we need the, the structure of the church, the leadership, the authority, the discipline that comes with all of that. And that speaks to the importance of the institution and why as Christians we're called to gather with other Christians in the context of the church that God or Jesus has established. But Paul shared in our passage for today the ways in which gathering in this community of believers is essential to our Christian life. And so first, we see that gathering together as the church is where we receive encouragement. In chapter 3, we see that Timothy goes to the Thessalonians and exhorts them. Basically means that they were encouraged. Paul, I mean, Timothy is encouraging them. He's imparting some truth and wisdom to them. And that is to comfort them in some way. Then we see in verse 7 that Paul and Timothy and the others are comforted by them through their faith. They're comforted by the Thessalonians through their faith. We see this mutual encouragement happening, this comforting of one another that takes place when we gather together, when we're in community. So when we get together, it should be an encouragement, an encouragement for us to continue on in our faith journey, to continue in our trust in Jesus Christ, and to face opposition together, to face sin together, to face unbelief together. Because as the, the hymn, Come Thou Found, says, we are prone to wander and leave God. Prone to wander and leave the God we love. And so we need encouragement to press on in our faith. I know that gathering together has been an encouragement for many of us. Many of us will readily admit that we have been encouraged in gathering together, and it has been invaluable to us. And that includes uh, worshiping together, that includes studying God's word together, and uh, the Lord's Day gathering, our Sunday gathering, and fellowship, and, and, and Sunday school, and all these things. But we, we also do have to be careful not to idolize community. Oftentimes we care so much about meeting people like us, who are maybe the same age as us, who are maybe in a similar lifestyle as us, or, uh, and we actually forget that the purpose of the church 
is to love and care for one another in spite of our differences. And this becomes an idol so much so that, that all we want is to look for community that we like and not actually build it for the purpose of growing in the grace of Jesus together. We see that in how many people like to do church hopping, right? Hopping from church to church to church to find one that fits, you know, most of your desires or needs. The fact that many of us know what that means is probably a problem, right? Probably speaks to the problem already. You know, and this is our mindset of community, that it, that it is primarily there to serve me in some way, then we can understand why we as a church need to emphasize things like multi-ethnic ministries, which is the backdrop of our theme for this year, Demolishing Barriers of the Heart. When we have a primarily self-serving view of community, then of course we will not be as welcoming to those who are culturally different or ethnically different from us. So yes, let us be encouraged, encouraged by one another. Let us encourage each other. Let us spur one another on and tell one another to keep running the race. It's worth it. You know, God is good. Jesus is our Savior. Believe and trust in Jesus. Let us do these things, but may it not be an idol. Because when it becomes an idol, we've, we lose sight of, of God. We lose sight of, of the gospel of Jesus, and it actually becomes a hindrance to our faith. The focus becomes on ourselves or just one another and not on God and not following Christ. Next, we see that gathering together as a church helps us to overcome our afflictions and distresses. Paul says to the Thessalonians in verses 3 to 4 of chapter 3 that no one be moved by these afflictions, for you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. We are going to face affliction and suffering because that's the battle we face against our sin on a daily basis. But also, there's a spiritual battle happening where we have Satan constantly fighting against us. And Paul mentions in chapter 2, verse 18, that Satan hindered them. And he also says in chapter 3, verse 5, that he sent Timothy because he was afraid that the tempter Satan had tempted them away from the faith. I see the reality of Satan, the reality of the evil one working against us. But we see that the church, the Thessalonian church, came together and overcame affliction and distress. And most importantly, importantly they continued to follow Jesus. Brothers and sisters, we cannot overcome affliction and suffering on our own. We need our brothers and sisters around us to help us, to encourage us, to exhort us, to pray for us, especially pray for us. Gathering together at the church allows us to pray for one another. Paul earnestly prays for the Thessalonians that they can meet together soon and that they would increase and abound in love. And the more they love, the more that they can grow in holiness and not turn away from the faith. And how much more encouraging is it when we pray in person together? Right? This is Paul praying through this letter. 
But if we see the scripture, especially in the book of Acts, we see in chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 12, other places as well, we see believers pray together. They gather together and pray together. That's the one main thing that Christians do together, pray. And prayer is truly powerful. And the way that God has given us that allows us to seek God's will. And in a mysterious way, God hears our prayers and he answers our prayers. This pastor once shared a story of how one church member shared about their strained relationship with their daughter, with her daughter, to another church member. And there was a lot of uh, disagreement with the mother and daughter and fighting, and they were not speaking to one another at the time. And so the, the other church member who was listening uh, heard this and you know, the usual response after hearing this or saying something, we, we say something to the effect of, oh, we'll, we'll pray for you or I'll be praying for you or something like that. Now, that's great and good. But this church member listening to this, she actually said, can I pray for you right now? And this was very impactful for the woman who was struggling with this relationship with her daughter and, and encouraged her so much even in that you know, little moment, that one minute of prayer, she was so encouraged that a fellow sister would pray for her right there and then. Now, I, you know, I'm a victim of oftentimes saying, I'll, I'll pray for you. And I genuinely try to pray when I, when I say that I'll pray for someone. But I know that most people probably don't or forget to. Right? We'll say we'll pray for you, but we oftentimes forget to pray. So how amazing would it be if instead we could say to one another, let me pray for you right now. Let me pray for you right now. How much more encouraging is this for someone, especially going through some type of pain or suffering or strained relationship, like in the story we heard, that we could pray for them in that moment out loud. And perhaps it's something we can do together and we can practice together here at Cornerstone. Now, I gave a couple ways that gathering together at the church is essential to the Christian life. And gathering together encourages us as believers, which is essential for us because we are going to endure affliction and suffering, oftentimes at the hands of Satan. And so we need one another. We need to pray for one another. Without the church, living the Christian life is virtually impossible. You know, we are meant to live in community and we are meant to be a part of the church. And so we are to participate in the church. We are to serve the church. We are to serve one another. So, you know, be a part of the church. Be a part of Cornerstone. Get involved in the church. But I don't want us to be short-sighted as well. But we are also a connected church. We are connected to the global church. Remember, Paul is hearing these things secondhand from Timothy. He is so encouraged to the work of Thessalonica even though that it's not his local church, he helped to establish it. And of course, he's very, it's very dear and near and dear to his heart, but it is not his church. And so we're, we are called to think beyond our own community here. We are called to be connected with other believers around the world and to be a part of connecting with them, to be a part of working with them, working together to spread the gospel to all nations. We gather together as a church to stand fast in the Lord and continue to trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior and grow in our love for him. But that also means that we are called to scatter to our communities and to the world, 
to proclaim this good news. That means we are to participate in ministries locally, in regionally, and even globally. And one very practical way is to participate in missions that our church is even hosting this year. We have mission trips that you can sign up. We're going to announce them later on again. And you can be a part of something bigger than yourselves, bigger than just Cornerstone here. We are the church, gathered together, but also called to be scattered, to proclaim the good news, to partner with churches and other brothers and sisters around the world, to make disciples and to baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So may we be a church that cares about us, loving one another, caring for one another, but may we also be a church that cares for believers all around the world and partner with them and care for them, pray for them so that we can see the gospel spread and we can truly see many people come to know and glorify our God and where we can one day see them in heaven and worship together in spirit and in truth. So may the Lord help us and lead us to do this together. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that, Lord, we are called to gather together as the church. We see the importance of this community that you have established in Thessalonica, all around the world, and here at Cornerstone. So God, we pray that we do not neglect meeting together face-to-face. We do not neglect gathering together in worship, that we do not neglect loving one another and encouraging one another and praying for one another as you call us to do. We know that, Lord, uh, we live in a a busy world. We are privileged to have a lot of things to do. Uh, We have the privilege of of using the means that we've been given to do uh, many enjoyable things. And, Lord, sometimes that means that we forget about you and about the church and about gathering together Lord God, may we confess of our sin. May we repent of our sins, the ways in which we we lose sight of what is truly important. We lose sight of worshiping you as the church and to encourage one another and, and love one another. And Lord, help us to see the ways in which we need to think beyond our church as well, to think about the universal church, to think about those around us who are proclaiming the good news to so many different types of people, so many different places. God, help us to be mindful of these things, to to love our brothers and sisters elsewhere, to pray for them, and to partner with them, to do the work that you call us to do, to baptize uh, all peoples in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Help us, O God, to be the church, to not only gather together, but to be scattered all around the world for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.